In this episode, we talk about music from Amy Mann, Mastodon, Swallow the Sun, Floating Points, and Modest Mouse. I talk about beer, I talk about Mike Nesmith, and I talk about personal stuff. It's a good one. Why don't you give it a listen? You've already started. It's too late to stop. Fate won't let you. What are you going to do about that, huh? Anyway, I'm your host, Eric Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, checkmates. It's your old Uncle Derek coming to you here on a rainy night in St. Louis, Missouri. It's been raining on and off all day, cooling us down finally. It was somewhere near 70 degrees earlier this week in, uh, I guess, mid-December. And it uh, that's that's been actually not as unusual as all the people who talk about global warming want you to think it is. Uh, I uh, don't misread that. I absolutely believe in climate change, but sometimes it's warm in St. Louis in December, and that's not new. Uh, but we all like to pretend that it is, but it's it's been a little bit warmer than you tend to like it in your Decembers in the Midwest. But uh, we've got a nice rain front hitting us right now that is fortunately not bringing about any tornadoes. And uh, it's cooling us down nicely. It's going to be kind of wintry here for a day or two anyway. Uh, Hoping it'll be maybe even below 50 degrees on Christmas Day. But who can can tell? Who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, But yeah, it's, it's rainy outside right now, which a lot of people find depressing. But me, it makes me happy and just makes me want to pour a glass of wine and sit with the... Listening to the rain and things. But... I'm actually not drinking wine right now, but uh, that would have been a good idea now that I've heard myself say it. But that that's just that's that's my speed. I like a nice soaking rainy day with a with a glass of wine, just listening to the rain, maybe reading a good book. And uh, that that sounds lovely. It's a pity I'm not doing it. Uh, I hope uh, I hope wherever you are, you're safe and comfortable and dry. My uh, uh, boy, I don't want to say thoughts and prayers. That's such a crappy phrase these days, even though so many people who say it mean well. Politicians who say it don't mean well. But the people who say it, the actual, like, people in your life who say thoughts and prayers, they generally mean well. Uh, because someone who says that they're going to pray for you, uh, that's a person who wants to help, doesn't know how to help, and is turning to the God that they believe in to ask God to intercede in a way that they don't know how to do. They're going to what they think is the most powerful being in existence to petition for help for you. And how is that not a beautiful thing? And how is it not a beautiful thing that someone would keep you in their thoughts and and be burdened uh, in their heart thinking of you? How is that not beautiful? Uh, I'll tell you how that's not beautiful. It's not beautiful when a politician says it on the floor of the Senate and then does nothing. That's when it's not beautiful. But when a person says it, they mean it. But I still don't want to say that my thoughts and prayers are with anybody, but I do want to say that I am thinking and deeply concerned and figuring out ways that I can help for the people who were impacted by the tornadoes uh, last week, some of whom pretty close to home for me. Um, 
the Amazon factory that uh, was hit hard in uh, Edwardsville, Illinois. That's about a half-hour drive from my house. Uh, I have said to people online who... It's amazing. Coastal people, like people on in California, New York, uh, they don't seem to understand uh, tornadoes that well. Because people keep, well, how could this possibly happen? How could a building not stand up to a tornado in 2021? And the answer to that simply is, well, because it's a tornado. And so I've had to do some explaining of tornadoes to people. If anybody wants me to do that on this show, I'll be glad to, but I'm, I'm not going to do it now. I've had to do a little bit of explaining to some of my friends about what a tornado is and why it is so devastating. Uh, six people killed, sadly, in Edwardsville in that tornado. Um... Again, that's a half hour away from my house, and I've been telling people that if you want to know how fast that moved, uh, the sirens were blowing in my in my neck of the woods here in, in, in my part of the St. Louis area, and I was down in my basement, and honestly, we hear the sirens and we hear the warnings and stuff so often here, we don't even take it that seriously, because it seems like every time you turn around, there's a tornado warning. So I, the sirens were blowing and whatnot, but my lights weren't flickering or anything. So I was in the basement, but I was cleaning up a little bit. Like, I was just kind of keeping busy. I wasn't, like, ducked and covered or anything like you're supposed to do. But I, I've been telling people that by the time the sirens stopped here and I was in the clear, the there were people trapped in Edwardsville in the Amazon facility. That's how quick it moved. And that's a half hour drive from my house. That's how quick that storm moved. It was it was uh it it was right on top of me and the next thing I knew I was coming back upstairs and looking at the at the T V report that I had up turned loud that I had turned up loud enough that I could hear it in the basement. I was looking at the T V report and they were saying, We're getting we're getting preliminary reports of some damage in Edwardsville, Illinois. We're going to try to get to our crew out there. And that quick is is how is how quick that happened. That's how tornadoes work. They're devastating forces. They're very fast and very brutal. Um, it hurts my heart to think about that happening. Uh, hurts my heart to think about what happened in Kentucky with significantly larger loss of life and property. Um, it's scary, man, and uh, it's hard to know what to say about that. I've been alive since 1980, and I've heard my share of tornado stories. I've got a couple tornado stories of my own where I was directly underneath one. There was one that passed directly over my head when I was sitting in a parking lot in my car, um, that fortunately it was not strong, and it didn't do any damage to me, although it ripped the sign off a building next to me. Um, for my entire life, I've had anxiety about tornadoes and bad weather like that. Uh, it's hard for me, being in my 40s and having had a lifetime of experience with it, to say, oh, it's it's climate change, it's climate change, it's climate change, because um, I don't know if it is or not, or if climate change started when I was much younger than when I started hearing about it. I don't know. I do think that if there are things we can do as human beings to curb the climate changing and to help the climate change for the better, we should be doing that. And 
Uh, believe me, as I say that, I've got a whole bunch of fingers pointed back at me because I don't even have a recycling bin out in my out among my trash cans, uh, which is a long story. I've tried to get one and I've been been denied them, so it's not a hundred percent my fault. The city hasn't gotten me one, but uh, there are certainly there's certainly more I could do to that effect too, and this kind of drives that home. Uh, anybody who is a listener in who, uh, in any of the areas who have been uh, impacted by this storm, uh, my heart goes out to you. Um, please feel free to let me know if there's a charity of preference that you have. I would be glad to make a donation. Um, that said, we, uh, we have a show to do here, and, uh, we're gonna do this show, and, uh, I, I hope it's, uh, if you are one of those people, I hope it's, uh, a little bit of time out of your, out of your day that is fun for you rather than rather than difficult and uh, I, I, I hope that you know that it's coming from a heart that is with you. Um, if you're not one of those people, my heart is also with you, but uh, in a in a slightly different way this week then uh, it's it's a little bit more with the people who need it, you know uh, And I don't know, maybe you need it too. If you need it too because you are wrestling with stuff and this show makes you smile, my heart's with you as well. Um, Derek Brink, friend of the downtrodden, um, <laughs> which I I don't mean to make light of that. I I am Irish. I understand downtrodden, uh, and I am downtrodden in many ways. So uh, uh, I I'm 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 with you. I'm with you there, checkmates. I just want you to know that. And that's kind of come home to me this week in another way, in that uh, uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, folks. It's uh, this show is going up a lot later than I meant for it to, and part of the reason for that is I've been in a lot of uh, pain lately. Uh, it's, it's well documented on this show, my issues with my back. Uh, I've also got stuff going on with my shoulders that is also hurting my neck that is also, you know, make, giving me headaches at this point. I've got a lot of stuff wrong, don't know what it is, takes money to find that out, don't have it. So uh, I'm just kind of struggling through and hoping that none of it's my heart. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I've been in the past few days. I've been just kind of achy and, and feeling unpleasant and, and you know... It's kind of hard to sit in front of a microphone and project when the stuff is hurting in the center of your back and into like your left shoulder and like that's that's right in an area that is tightening up my breathing in a way that it's sort of hard to to do this but at the same time I also got I I'm not going to say the number but I also got a uh, an email this week from the place where this podcast is hosted over at Podbean, congratulating me on a significant number of downloads uh, here lately. And that just really means the world to me. And again, I'm not going to say the number, but it really means the world to me to know how many people are listening and are making me part of their week. And that that's that's so, so appreciated. And I'm sitting here and my back hurts and it's, uh, you know, I've got to take deeper breaths every now and again between uh, between paragraphs um but like i know that you're out there listening and making me part of your week and that's so nice and i want to one of the i think one of the best ways i can honor that and thank you for that is to just keep giving you content and i i hate it when i don't give you content because i i know you're listening and that's so cool um and, and so it, I, I don't know, it's just kind of hit home lately that I've got this little platform that people listen to and sometimes send me emails uh, to. I've got a few emails, by the way, that I'll read on an upcoming show. Not this one, but an upcoming one. 
Uh, I just want to gather my thoughts on a couple of them. Uh, thank you so much for engaging with the show in the way that you do and for downloading and for downloading in numbers that makes the place that hosts this thing contact me and say, hey, congratulations. That's that's just that's just really fucking cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of this. And uh, uh, it it is not unnoticed. And when I do these maudlin things where I, I say thank you and where I say my heart is with any of the checkmates who are struggling with whatever's going on, I, I can't express to you clearly how deeply I mean that. Uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, if you do want to engage with the show, there are a few websites I can tell you about. The show has a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. My own personal website is derekbrink.com. You can learn a lot about my musical career in particular there, and uh, hopefully that'll get the redesign that I've been working on very soon. Uh, if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, you can listen to it all and download it all for absolutely free over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com. Just enter zero as your purchase price and you can take it. I don't collect your email address. I don't do any kind of tracking. I would just love it if you loved it. You, of course, can listen to the show on any podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, that's, uh, you're probably doing that now. Uh, unless you're my dad. I think he listens to, to it on the blog. There's a player on the blog, uh, which, uh, if you listen to this on the Podbean stuff, or uh, not Podbean stuff, but on the, uh, uh, podcast apps, then, uh, you may not know that. There's a player on the blog and photos and stuff. Uh, but I think, I think my dad uses the player on the blog, because I don't think that he, he has downloaded a podcasting app. I might be wrong about that. Dad, if I'm wrong about that, e email the show and let me know, but, uh, hi, Dad, otherwise... Uh, if anybody else, or my dad, wants to email the show, you could do that at db, those are my initials, Derek Brink, db at derekbrink.com, and I would love to hear from you, I always love to hear from you, I always answer every email that I get, and sometimes it gets read on the show, and we'll do that here on an upcoming episode pretty soon. Uh, until then, those are the websites of interest, that's all the stuff that you need to know. Um, do I have anything else personal to update you about? I, uh, well, yeah, I could tell you a couple of things, and there's actually something that I want to do just as its own little thing in this intro rather than as a segment. Um, I don't know how long this one's gonna go. I have several, uh, new releases, I guess, or recent releases that I want to talk to you about, and I've got, like, a box of beer that I want to talk to you about, but, uh, I, I don't know how long that's gonna take, so I, I'm gonna just burn up some time here in the quote-unquote intro part, and just talk to you about stuff that I, I want to talk about. Uh, a couple personal updates, at least one personal update, uh, I, I'm gonna get a cat soon. Uh, which I've I've been a dog person for my entire life. I I don't I've never hated cats or anything like that. I've argued with a cat or two in my day because <laughs> uh, cats and I have similar personalities and sometimes they're in the way. Uh, but I've I've never been you know I've I've never like hated cats. But I just lately have really kind of fallen in love with the idea of having a cat, and uh, I I have a lot of love to give. To, and it doesn't really matter if the thing that I give it to cares if I've given it or not, based on past dating history. So a cat seems to fit in with that pretty well. And uh, I, I think I might actually get two cats. Because, one, it's nice for everybody to have a friend. 
that's why I'm looking into a cat in the first place. It's nice for me to have a friend, to have somebody else around just to kind of talk to and spend time with. That's It's nice to have a pet. Uh, but also, uh, a lot of the adoption places, uh, the sort of the more reputable, um, what do you call them, foster places, a lot of those places recommend, and some even insist, upon uh, multiple cat households. Some of them won't adopt less than two cats if you don't already have a cat. Uh, so, uh, it, 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 it seems like it's it's healthier for a cat to have a cat friend, and that uh, I, I want my my cat or cats to be as happy as they can be and it's not that much more expensive to have two cats instead of one so uh i i, I might be looking uh, uh i might be looking at, into two cats uh definitely one m- maybe two we'll we'll see what happens exactly we'll see how that shakes out i think i know who i'm going to work with and uh i'm i'm excited about it uh, sometime after the holidays sometime in the new year is when it'll be happening i've got some things i need to get done around the house first but, uh, uh, and, like, things that legitimately, it, it's it's safer to get those things done before I have a small animal in the house. Like, there's some flooring that needs replaced, and there's some painting that needs done. And that's stuff that you don't want, you know, like, the, the cat or cats would be in some degree of danger, you know? And I, I don't want that, so we're waiting until that stuff's kind of done to, to get uh, a little furry feline friend or two. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a cat, or, or cats, and, uh, that's, that's gonna be good, it's gonna be fun. For those who are concerned, I am 99.9% sure that I have no allergies, I've been around cats a lot, I've house sat for my brother when he, when he had a cat, and, uh, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time with cats with no negative reactions, so I, I, and in the time that I house sat for my brother with his cat, uh, that was actually during a week in St. Louis where we had a major power outage that power was just down for a week, and I was just in this ha- this house with this cat and dog, actually, at the time, and, uh, neither one of them, like, strayed too far from me at any time, and, multiple nights I would wake up and have a dog laying on one side of me and a cat laying on the other side because they were just like you're the person here and it's weird so we're gonna hang out with you and uh and so I I think I'm okay as far as any kind of allergies or anything like that because I've I've never personally owned a cat but I've spent a lot of time with them um I'm 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 really looking forward to that I I keep imagining like dumb scenarios with cats, including like bad scenarios where like ah oh, I've got to deal with this crappy thing my cat did, and uh, it it feels okay, you know. <laughs> so that's uh, I I don't know. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to becoming a crazy old cat lady. That uh, that seems like how this was always going to go. Plus, it, it just, it's nice to know that there'll be someone around to uh, eat my eyes when I die, as stipulated in my will. So that's uh, that's just good to know, I think. I'm, I'm looking forward to having a cat. Uh, if you have any recommendations or things that you think I should know about having a cat that I might not know just by instinct or experience, please feel free to let me know about those things, because everybody seems to have an opinion. Also, uh, let me know if you think I should get a boy cat or a girl cat. Uh, the only pets I've ever had in the past have been female, I think, so I'm leading toward female cats. Uh, but let me know your thoughts on that. Uh, 
uh, or any particular breed of cat that you think would be suited to your old Uncle Derek. Uh, I'm thinking like a short hair type cat, but let me know your thoughts on that as well. Um, Yeah, I'm going to get a cat or, or, or cats, probably cats probably cats, and uh, I'm excited about it. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I do have one piece of follow-up information I want to relay that I forgot about in last week's episode. There's a Beatles-related story from my life that I wanted to tell that I didn't tell, because last week I talked about the Beatles Get Back documentary that Peter Jackson did on Disney+. Plus. Uh, long story short, it's great. Watch it. Uh, but I, I yelled about it for an hour last week and uh, had a great time talking about it. There is one Beatles story from my life that I want to mention. Um, years and years ago, I was a teenager, and I'm now in my 40s, so that gives you some perspective. Uh, my grandma Brink, my dad's mom, uh, she and I were talking, and I don't know how, but the Beatles came up in conversation. I'm not sure, like, I, I have no memory of, of how the conversation got there. Uh, you know, when you're talking to your grandma, sometimes the conversations just kind of go wherever your grandma takes them, and you just sign, you're just kind of there in the room. Uh, and that's how a lot of my conversations with any of my grandparents have ever gone, or many of my relatives, in fact. I, I kind of am, I, I tend to answer more questions than I ask in, in most conversations. So, uh, uh, anyway, we got on the subject of the Beatles, and Grandma was talking about when Dad was young, and he had Beatles records, and everybody was talking about the Beatles, the Beatles, the Beatles, and so many of her friends were worried about the Beatles and their their long hair and their loud music and all that stuff. And uh, uh, I, I, I've told my dad this before. Dad, if you don't remember this story, I'm sorry you don't. I, I probably, like, as a teenager, just rattled it off and mentioned it and walked away from it. And it it, it might mean a, a lot more to you now hearing it. I don't know. But this, I, I know that I've told you this before, but I'm sorry if you don't remember. Um, uh, yeah, Grandma was talking about, you know, all of her friends being worried about the Beatles and I mean, you got to remember, Grandma was a good Southern Baptist, and the Baptists traditionally are kind of, uh, I don't want to say uptight, but uh, uptight, <laughs> tightly wound. Let's say they're kind of tightly wound. Uh, there's uh, the, the, the Southern Baptists are particularly known for not allowing people to dance because uh, there's concerns about the sexuality of dancing. Uh, in fact, there's an old joke, uh, uh, why don't Southern Baptists have sex standing up? Because someone might look in and think that they're dancing. Uh, that's uh, one of my favorite religious jokes, and I feel free to tell it because I grew up Southern Baptist too. Uh, but yeah, they, they were a good Southern Baptist family, and you know, so Grandma was hearing all these concerns about the Beatles and what the Beatles were doing to the young people and what rock and roll was doing to the young people. And she told me, so... So one day when when your dad was at school, I went and I got one of his Beatles records and I listened to it. And I thought that was really good music and it was it was perfectly fine and they weren't saying anything I was worried about and your dad could listen to the Beatles all he wanted to. And like as a teenager I thought, "Oh, that's kind of cool." But like now in my 40s, I'm like, "That's fucking badass, grandma. Great, great. That's some that's some kick-ass parenting right there." And, uh, uh, cause that's, that's really cool. Cause you know, it was the sixties and the old folks weren't supposed to get it, man. 
Uh, but Grandma kind of got it. I'm not saying that she was a Beatles fan, but she took the time to listen and analyze and think through it and give it a chance and saw nothing wrong with it. And it just kind of said, uh, yeah, all right, he's a good kid. Or at, le- at least so she thought. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a good kid, and this is not bad music, and I'm not going to worry about it. And I just thought that was a really cool thing to hear. And I I wanted to say that last week, and I forgot to because I ranted for a very long time just about a loving, bearded Paul McCartney. And uh, uh, that's, uh, I don't know, that's just something that I felt like needed to be recorded and put out there into the ether. So now it has been. Um, here in the uh, intro part... I have uh, one more thing I want to say, and then we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about uh, the Schlafly Stout Bout Hall of Fame beer box that I bought. That was a mouthful. Uh, I'm going to talk about that, but I have one more thing that I have to, have to, have to talk about before I get into that. And it's a sad thing, and it's something that feels appropriate to talk about coming off of talking about the Beatles. Um, Mike Nesmith passed away. Mike Nesmith, of course, one of the members of the band The Monkees, uh, band slash TV personalities slash movie personalities, The Monkees. Um, you know who The Monkees were and are. Um, we are down to one last monkey, and it's Mickey Dolenz. He's the last one remaining. Uh, we lost Davy Jones several years ago. We lost Peter Tork just a couple years ago. I believe I talked about it on this show. And uh, now Michael Nesmith has passed away. Uh, That made me sad. Um, In a way I wouldn't have anticipated. Uh, I know that in the past several years, Mike has not been in the best of health, and there have been some questions posed by people online who really have no idea, uh, but there have been some questions posed about the quality of his care and the quality of his life in the last couple of years. I... I'm not going to speak to that at all, but I'm going to acknowledge that I know those questions exist. Um, but we lost we lost Mike this week. We lost Mike Nesmith. For those who uh, are familiar with the Monkees by picture or by... You watched the show a couple times on Nick at Night when you were a kid, but you don't remember the names. Uh, Mike was the tall guy with the sideburns and the, and the knit cap. He was that guy. Uh, he was also... How can I put this? He was... He was the Monkees McCartney. He was the Paul McCartney of the Monkees, even though Davey was the cute one. Uh, he was... Uh, he was... A much better guitar player than he gets credit for, especially when the rumor at the time was, you know they don't play their own instruments, uh, which maybe they did, maybe they didn't on the albums, but they all absolutely could and did live. And I remember in some behind-the-scenes footage, Mike talking about that and saying, people say that we don't play our instruments, and I'm about to step on stage in front of 20,000 fans. I better be able to play this guitar, you know, that I'm holding. <laughs> and and uh, uh, he also had, um, he also had uh, musical success outside of the band, in that uh, he, with the with his subsequent band, the First National Band, uh, he wrote the song "Different Drum," which was a hit for Linda Ronstadt. Uh, he actually wrote a lot of the Monkees' own songs. He was a very accomplished musician. Uh, he, but he also 
just carried himself with an air of not needing that to feel like he was a success, which I really admire. I, I saying that I hear that and I think that might sound like a like a knock against him. I actually admire that about him that he he presented himself as this is who I am and this is part of who I am. This is not all that I am. And outside of this, if I, if I couldn't do this tomorrow, I'd still be okay. And that's just kind of how he carried himself, and I really liked that. He did it because he loved it, not because it was all he could do, you know? Uh, he also had, uh, of note, his uh, mother invented liquid paper, which you probably know as whiteout. Uh, she invented that to make corrections on typewriters and stuff when she was a, when she was a typist. So he had uh, liquid paper money. <laughs> rolling around in his family as well. Um, and he was funny. He was just a funny guy. He had some of the funniest lines in the Monkees TV show. It's it's hard to explain the Monkees TV show if you never watched it. It's hard to explain the Monkees if you're unfamiliar with the Monkees, come to think of it. The Monkees kind of, kind of filled that role. They were one of the world's first boy bands in some ways. Uh, they they sort of filled the, the gap in where... Uh, like, they had a construct that was somewhat similar to the Beatles, but, um, in a way that, like, with the TV show and with the other stuff that they did, they sort of filled the role for people who were Beatles fans that wanted to know more about the Beatles, that the Beatles were just never gonna give you. The Monkees gave that to you. They gave you behind-the-scenes stuff, and they gave you, like, a TV show of them doing goofy stuff. And, yeah, the Beatles did movies every now and again, but you didn't get to see them, like, weekly doing dumb stuff on your TV, but you did get to see the monkeys. And that's that's kind of the role that the monkeys filled at, at, at the time that they were most active. But they also just gave us some really fun songs, and Mike played on all of them and sang on most of them. And uh, there's a lot of happy childhood memories that I have that are focused around the monkeys and watching... The monkeys TV show episodes and and listening to their music and uh, uh, right now in the room that I'm sitting in I'm looking at five feet away from me my copy of the monkeys movie head which is baffling to watch and uh, <laughs> it's not a good movie but I've got it because I love the monkeys and uh, I, even though I just said it's not a good movie it's a pretty good movie and uh, Mike's great in it, and everybody's great in it. It's kind of, it's really kind of a Mickey Dolan's tour de force in a lot of ways, but uh, certainly Mike's parts are, are excellent as well. I, I feel like I'm not saying any of this as impactfully as I want to, but I, I heard that Mike Nesmith passed away, and there was a, a, a big heaviness in my heart, and it made me very sad to hear, and... It just kind of, it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, kept impacting me this whole week. I keep thinking about it, you know, it, it just, it's one of those that just kind of weighed on me in a way that I didn't know it was going to weigh on me. And I have this, this, uh, this podcast that we do, I have this microphone in front of me and I have the opportunity to say to people, uh, that you should check out Mike's work in the Monkees and with the First National Band, and it's good stuff, and I think you'll enjoy it, and I have this opportunity also to say rest in peace, Mike Nesmith, thank you very much for all that you did.
and from this day forward, every time I wear a knit hat, it's going to be in tribute to you. In fact, it's uh, probably no major surprise to anyone to hear that any time I've worn a knit hat up to this point, it was because of Mike Nesmith. Rest in peace, Mike. It, uh, it meant a lot what you did. We're going to listen to a little bit of music, and we're going to come back into this thing, and I'm going to talk about beer. <laughs> How's that for a transition? Uh, hang tight for about 30 seconds and listen to uh, whatever music I'm going to insert in post here, Checkmates. Okay, I wanted to do something a little bit different on this episode, and for those of you who take an interest in it when I tell you what kind of drink I'm drinking during the show, uh, this segment's for you. I'm going to do a beer review segment, a, uh, a just a review of several beers all by the same company. Uh, it's a company that I like. It's a company that's based here in St. Louis, Missouri. I mentioned one of them on the last episode of the show. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about beers by the company Schlafly, which is, again, here in St. Louis, founded here. Uh, They put out a box that's sort of a limited-run type box called the Stout Bout Hall of Fame. It's uh, four different beers, uh, three bottles of four different beers in a 12-pack, and uh, uh, I—they're all stouts. I'm a big fan of stouts. That's my favorite kind of beer, and— Somewhere in the last several years, the world has turned to making almost exclusively uh, IPAs, which I also enjoy, but not near as much. So it was just kind of nice to see a a box that was entirely devoted to stouts, and that made me excited. And I picked it up, and I enjoyed all four of them, and I want to talk to you about all four of them. I do not know what constitutes a Hall of Fame to the people over at Schlafly, because they... uh, Three of the four beers that are in this box are not things that are readily available. They're, I think, just sort of things that have been done over at the Schlafly Tap Room, which is sort of a restaurant and tasting house, or things that were, I don't know, independently sourced? I don't really know. I'm not sure. Three of them I had never heard of. Three of them are not regularly available and are only available for mask purchase in this box. One of them is their regular stout that they put out all the time. So I have no idea what means uh, what they mean by Hall of Fame when three of them are not regularly available. Uh, no idea, but whatever. It's called the Stout Bout Hall of Fame. There are four beers in it, and they are the Oatmeal Stout, the Salted Caramel Stout, the Vanilla Milk Stout, and the Mexican Chocolate Stout. Uh, the the box that comes that they come in has brief sort of write-ups of what uh, you can expect from the stouts or what they say you can expect from the stouts. And I'm going to read their descriptions to you because uh, some of them I uh, questionable what why they're called what they're called um, <laughs> and and confusing. Um, 
I, I mainly have trouble with the syntax of this whole box because I don't know why it's a Hall of Fame. I have no idea why the Mexican chocolate stout is called Mexican chocolate stout. There's I, I don't know that there's anything particularly Mexican about it. I, I'm not sure what constitutes that. Um, the others are pretty self-explanatory, but uh, it, it's it's uh, I'm I'm gonna say up front I enjoyed all of these beers. I have nothing bad to say about all any of these beers. I just have questions about some of them. Um, I started last week by talking about the oatmeal stout, so I'll just kind of talk about that first and get it out of the way. What they say on the box for the Stout Bout Hall of Fame is that the oatmeal stout, uh, which is 5.7 percent alcohol, um or ABV, I guess we should say. They say, uh, brewed to bring out the smooth roasted malt and t- a touch of sweetness. This classic is exactly what you'd expect in a British-style stout that's uh, stood the test of time. Um, by the way, Schlafly in no way is endorsing this show. I just want to make make sure to say that. This is actually me endorsing <laughs> Schlafly. I, I really like them, and I, they are not giving me any money for, for doing this. They don't know that I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I like their product. Uh, so the oatmeal stout, that's how they describe it, is essentially a British-style stout that stood the test of time. Uh, it's not Guinness. That's what most people think of when they think of a stout. It's not Guinness. It's uh, frankly not as good as Guinness. I'm a Guinness guy. That's my go-to beer. It is, however, a very good stout. And yes, it is definitely in the English tradition and feels very much like an English stout. It's just no Guinness. It's perfectly good. It's their standard stout. It's their sort of bar to meet as far as their stouts. But it's not Guinness. But it's good. It does the job, and it's good. And I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I have a couple of fond memories of being at, like, a a bar or restaurant, and somebody's ordered a pitcher of stout, and I've just enjoyed it. Uh, And it it turned out to be the Schlafly stout. Um, They don't go into why it's called oatmeal stout. I assume that there's uh, oatmeal involved in the barley or hopping process or something like that. Um, I don't know how you make a stout. Whatever. I I assume at some point there is oatmeal involved. Um, They don't tell you that on the box. But it's it's a good stout. It's Schlafly's standard stout. I was drinking it last week. I drank it after that episode as well. And it's, it's, it's a good stout and a worthy stout to be in anybody's fridge. It's a great place to start in this box because it sort of sets a tone for the rest of it. From there, I moved on, and I want to make it clear, I did not drink all 12 of these beers in one night. I didn't drink four of these beers in one night. I separated out my nights, and one night I had an oatmeal stout. The next night I had, or the next time, I guess, I had a different stout each time I, I sat down with a beer. So that's, <laughs> I didn't just, like, pound through an entire 12-pack of Schlafly beer. Uh, although tempting to do so, because they make good beers. Uh, the next time I sat down to have one of the stouts out of this box, I picked up the salted caramel stout because that intrigued me. Because in the past I've had vanilla and chocolate stouts, but I'd never had a salted caramel stout. Here's what they say on the back of the box. They say, this all-American stout is an unapologetically rich and creamy. I put a, I put the word an in there for some reason. It doesn't belong. They say, this all-American stout is unapologetically rich and creamy, using sea salt and caramel for a smooth, sweet, and bold declaration of decadence. Salted caramel stout is a pure bottled pleasure. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's a little bit weird. 
Uh, part of the reason I think that I thought it was weird is I don't particularly like sea salt. I think we've made a mistake by going to sea salt all over the place. I think sea salt is way too strong and way too uh, aggressive, and so that might be what I think is weird about it, but it's still good. Uh, the flavor that hit me more than the caramel, though, was the salt. It was, uh, it, it felt like, I guess to put it in, like, wine terms, it seemed like it had a very dry finish in that way. It, it just, I, I could tell that there was salt involved, you know? Uh, although not, it, I, I wouldn't say it tasted like salt, but knowing that it, it that it was there, it, it's, that's kind of what came to the front for me. It, it felt very dry in that way. The, uh, the smell of it kind of put me in mind of a caramel that had, that had maybe been burnt, which was probably just a part of the roasting process. I, I, you know, that's not, again, that's not a criticism, but it it had kind of a burnt caramel smell to it, but not so much a taste of a burnt caramel. I could taste the caramel in there, not as much as I thought I was going to, but I could taste it and I enjoyed it and it was different. Uh, it, it kind of, it kept me coming back for more, and every time I took a drink, I had sort of different questions popping through my head on it, which is, it, it wasn't, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, it wasn't the kind of beer that I wanted to sit and just enjoy and forget about, it was the kind of beer that I wanted to actively drink and think about, which is kind of cool. Uh, I, I, you know, I, it, it wasn't my favorite out of the box, but I didn't hate it. I, I certainly enjoyed it, and it kept me it kept me coming back, and it kept me asking questions. Uh, that said, I like the standard oatmeal stout a little bit more, but I wouldn't be disappointed to drink the salted caramel stout again. Uh, from there, I moved on to the Mexican chocolate stout. And uh, again, I don't know specifically what makes it Mexican chocolate stout. I don't know why the word Mexican is in there, because here's what they say on the back of the box. Oh, by the way, the salted caramel stout was 6% ABV, so is the Mexican chocolate stout. Uh, here's what they say on the back of the box. They say, a classic American stout, the Mexican chocolate stout, is a classic American stout inspired by the characteristics of real Mexican-style hot chocolate. <sighs> what? Uh, sweet chocolate with cinnamon are the perfect pairing with this big body of... of or, let me try that sentence again. Sweet chocolate and cinnamon are the perfect pairing with the big body of this hearty stout, is what they say on the back of it. I had no desire to have cinnamon. Uh, I see what they meant about the sweet chocolate. It would have been nice to have, uh, like, a Hershey's chocolate bar sitting around to eat with this thing. Um, but I, I don't know what part of any of that description makes it Mexican. They say that they modeled it, or I guess it was inspired by the characteristics of real Mexican-style hot chocolate, which, yeah, when I think of Mexico, the first thing I think of is their hot chocolate. Uh, I, I, I just, I'm baffled by why it's not just called chocolate stout and why they have to specify that it's Mexican chocolate stout. That's just confusing to me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's particularly me- Mexican about it, but it's very good. <laughs> All that to say, it sounds like I'm crapping on it. It's it's actually one of my favorites out of the box. Uh, the chocolate is much more out front than, say, like a Young's Chocolate Stout, which is one of my standards and one of my go-tos. Uh, it's not quite as good as uh, Mackeson Stout, which has a lot of chocolate flavor to it, but it the chocolate does come through very clearly with the uh, Schlafly Mexican Chocolate Stout. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I will say that compared to, like, a Young's Chocolate Stout, this one's a little bit more... 
I want to say gritty tasting, but gritty is the wrong word for it. Just a little bit more, um, like the English chocolate would be very, chocolate, I, I think I said the word chocolate wrong just now. The English chocolate would be very smooth and kind of Cadbury's type chocolate. Whereas I would liken this to more of like a Christmas chocolate. You know what I mean? That sort of, not dark chocolate, but like the chocolate that you only seem to get at Christmas. Uh, like you got maybe a chocolate Santa, like that kind of chocolate. Um, it's, uh, it kept, I'll tell you this, they, they mentioned cinnamon, but it actually kept tricking me into thinking that there was mint or that I wanted mint, even though, though there isn't any, uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, it was very tasty. It's one of the standouts of the box. I really enjoyed it. I have questions about the naming. I don't understand <laughs> some of it, uh, but it's 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 a really good beer, and I wish it was a year-round beer because it, it really deserves to be. It's it's very very good. Uh, we go from there to the vanilla milk stout. The vanilla milk stout on the back of the box is described as being 5.2 ABV, and they say quote. Brewed with vanilla and lactose, this stout packs a punch of sweetness backed up with a solid malty base. Like a bowl of vanilla ice cream, vanilla milk stout is timeless. Uh, I will tell you right now, this is the beer that I happen to be drinking here tonight. And, uh, sorry for that pause, I just set down the box. I almost dropped it and I didn't want to just, like, have a sudden thud on the recording. Uh, I'll tell you this, the first impression that I got when I picked it up, it smells great. It, it just smells wonderful. You really get a lot of the vanilla in the scent, and I enjoyed that. Uh, it's very creamy, very milky. You can tell that that's a part of it. It's very, very good. It's the best of the box. I'm glad that it's the last one that I had. It's almost, and it isn't this because I've had this before, but it's, it's almost like a stout milkshake. And that, uh, that is exciting and very cool, and this one also deserves to be a year-round thing. Uh, Schlafly, if you put out the Stout Bout box to try and figure out how you want to expand and into what, please expand into doing a chocolate stout, maybe change the name of it, but do a chocolate stout, and do the vanilla milk stout, they're both great. The salted caramel stout is fine, but I like the oatmeal stout better than that. Um, so, but of the of the... Of the four, if I have to pick one, I'm going to go with the vanilla milk stout. If I can pick two, I'm going with that. And the chocolate, I wonder what the two would taste like together. Ooh, I should maybe get a pint glass and do some experimenting. It'd probably be terrible. You shouldn't ever mix beers together like that. But uh, Schlafly doesn't make a bad beer. I haven't had a single beer from Schlafly that I haven't liked, and I've even purposely tried beers by Schlafly that I thought I wasn't going to like and still walked away enjoying them. They're a great company. They're here in St. Louis. Can't say enough about them. They do cool stuff for the community, and they put out really cool beers. And uh, uh, again, sometimes I have questions about why they use some of the words they use. I have no idea what makes this a Hall of Fame when three of the beers are never available except for in this box. I have no idea what makes the chocolate stout in any way Mexican, uh, and so on. But uh, other than that, great beers. Great beers from a great company. Can't say enough about them. They're wonderful. If you have a chance to pick up a Stout Bout box, you should pick it up if you're a beer-drinking type of person. If you're not a beer-drinking type of person, then I'm sorry for wasting your time with this segment, but we've got another segment coming up here in just about uh, 30 seconds that I think you're going to enjoy. 
colder to each other than we've ever been. The machines are winning and we'll let them win. You know, we're getting close to the end of the year here. And the end of the year, traditionally, on this show means that you're going to get an episode soon where I talk about my top 10 favorite albums of the year. And it seems like uh, it would be a shame to do that without first mentioning a few of the titles that could be in contention, for all you know. Uh, I'll tell you that some of these aren't going to make it. (laughs) So, you know. Whatever. It just feels weird that I haven't reviewed the following albums on this show yet, so I'm going to review them. Uh, There have been a lot of things that came out this year that because of circumstance and timing and who knows what all, I just haven't talked about. And some of them have been on different lists to talk about going back to the summer and even earlier than that, and I want to at least touch on a few of them. So I've got five albums that I want to talk about that I think you should check out if it sounds like it's even remotely your cup of tea, because I typically on this show don't talk about stuff that I don't like. I uh, And if I do, I try to be kind about it and tell you why it didn't work for me and what parts did work for me. I try to be as fair as I can on this show. Uh, but I've, I've got five albums here in my hand that I want to talk about, all of which I like to one degree or another, that... I think might just be interesting to talk about and that it would be a shame if the year went by without me talking about them. So let's do that. The first one that I've got here is sort of a jazz piece by it's a it's it's sort of a collaboration by Floating Points which does a lot of electronica type stuff and Pharaoh Sanders uh, along with the London Symphony Orchestra. Pharaoh Sanders, if you don't know who that is, then you haven't listened to a ton of jazz. Uh, Pharaoh Sanders is known on his own merit as a band leader, but he's also worked with uh, Sun Ra, and he's worked with Coltrane, and again, extensive catalog of his own. He's one of the giants of that era of jazz, and he's, he's very well known. I thought that he was done. I think most people thought that he was done, but I, I I don't know the full story behind it, but he did this collaboration with Floating Points, which is not a pairing that would come immediately to mind, because again, Floating Points, kind of an electronic-based composer, and uh, Pharaoh Sanders, very much a saxophone-type guy, uh, just just wouldn't have occurred to me. And even hearing about it, I went, I don't know how that's going to work. And then somebody at one of my local record stores recommended it, and I picked it up and gave it a chance, and boy, am I glad I did. It is wonderful. It's very sparse and very atmospheric and moody and very sax-driven, uh, although not like the barn burner fast sax, the very kind of moody sax. And just really it's the kind of thing that you want to be listening to on a night like tonight when it's raining and you've got a glass of wine in your hand uh, it, it would be perfect for today and I'm not listening to it uh, I'm doing this and drinking a beer so I, I just I kind of failed <laughs> on, on this particular day but it's it's very atmospheric very ambient there are a couple of moments of vocalization to it but not really any words, just kind of vocalization, which is hard to explain, but I hope you understand what I mean. Uh, and very symphonic, like I said, the London Symphony Orchestra is also on it. 
It plays like classical jazz with a little bit of electronic stuff thrown in. Uh, and there's plenty of piano and, and you know, Hammond B3 and stuff that pops up as well. It's a really, really interesting listen. It's a really engrossing listen if you're into this kind of thing, if you're into jazz at all, and if you know who Pharaoh Sanders is, who, again, I thought had retired because it just seemed like he had... It just it just seemed like he had retired. I hadn't heard of him doing anything in a very long time, and then suddenly he's doing this album with Floating Points, which I don't know if I've even said the name of. The, flo- the Floating Fo- Points and Pharaoh Sanders album is called Promises. It's the only one they've done together, so you shouldn't have any trouble if you, like, Google it, but... Uh, really, really good, breathtaking, fascinating listen that I highly recommend. Uh, some of you, it would be the perfect thing to put onto while you're sitting reading, or maybe while you're sitting soaking in a hot bath. Uh, some of you are gonna need a rainy day and a glass of wine, but it's, uh, it's... I I got deep into a jazz thing this year and was glad that this one fell into my hands because it fit in perfectly with the mood I was in and with what I wanted to hear. It's uh, just one of those albums that dropped out of the blue and found me on the right day, in the right place, in the right mood, and it's continued to find me there. So that's Floating Points and Pharaoh Sanders' Promises. Just absolutely an A-plus in my book. Moving on from there, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum and talk about the new one by Mastodon, heavy metal band Mastodon, called Hushed and Grim. Mastodon, at one point, was kind of almost a a mathcore-type band. Uh, At one point, they were a thrash band. At one time, they were (laughs) just various different forms of metal over the years. Now kind of doomy and kind of plotting and kind of just that heaviness that isn't necessarily fast but is heavy uh but not with a vocal style that is off-putting because so much so much really good metal that's going on right now is just ruined by corpse vocals and i can't stand that and it just always sounds silly to me mastodon thankfully doesn't do that they give you all the heaviness and depth that you could possibly want but their vocals are also good and understandable uh, this particular album, Hushed and Grim, is a two-disc two affair on CD. I have no idea how many records it is if you get it on vinyl. I got it on CD, personally. And uh, I was just as happy with disc two as I was with disc one. It's very it's very plodding and very kind of slow. There's not a whole lot of moments where you're going to be headbanging to it. Uh, there, there are some, but there's not. that's not the thrust of it. Uh, and I happen to like that kind of metal. I like the kind of cool, kind of artsy, kind of almost, dare I say, bordering on progressive rock type metal. Uh, this is a really good one. I don't know what else to say about it. I, I mean, I could probably name a couple of favorite tracks. Uh, let me pick it up here. Uh, I mean, I like the opening track, Pain with an Anchor, and the crux that follows it immediately. The Beast on disc one is, is, a, is a favorite. Uh, the last song on disc two, uh, I guess the last song of the album, uh, Gigantium, really like that one too, uh, and Eyes of Serpents, which immediately precedes it. I just like the album. It's, it's, it's good. It's nice and heavy and dark and, but uh, the vocals are good. (laughs) I I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, Mastodon's been in and out of my player for years and they're, they've been very much back in this year. I really like the album. 
check it out if that sounds like your cup of tea. Uh, let's stay in the metal world and in the kind of dark, gloomy world for a while and talk about the new one by Swallow the Sun, which is called Moonflowers. Swallow the Sun is uh, another kind of dark, plotting metal band. Uh, they are a band that... They have moments where they write really beautiful-sounding stuff with really melodic vocals, and then they have moments where they write really beautiful-sounding stuff that has the dumb, screamy corpse vocals that I don't like and that I think are stupid. Um, but they have enough of the other stuff that I keep listening to them, because I like when they sound pretty. <laughs> that's that's such a difficult line to walk. They walk it pretty well. Uh, this particular album, Moonflowers, is uh, much more symphonic than some of their other stuff. There's actual strings on it and whatnot, and when I heard that they were working with strings and, and kind of taking that approach, I thought, oh, that'll be that'll be my cup of tea. There won't be a lot of the raw-type vocals on it, but uh, I was uh, only partially right, because there are definitely songs on here where they've got a nice, melodic, you know, beautiful but dark and metallic sound going, and the vocals will maybe even be clean and nice and understandable for a while in the song and then it'll hit the chorus and it'll be and it's like what are you what what are you doing stop that uh yeah so like i don't like those moments but i really like the moments that are pretty on it and that is a difficult demand to make of a metal band especially a metal band that does that kind of vocal um but uh i i don't like that kind of vocal but I like it when this band is pretty, so it's like a B minus because there's still some really beautiful music on it, even during the stuff that I think sounds silly with the vocals. I still think the music is really pretty and really, really nice and really moving and really interesting. And again, dark, but but still engrossing to me. Uh, there's a lot that I'm attracted to about the album. I just wish there was a little bit less of the Cookie Monster vocals. You know? That's uh, that's where I stand on it. So it's it's about a B- minus because there's a lot about it to like, and the stuff that I don't like is just... It's not, a, it's not on them. It's what I would consider a flaw with the genre. Uh, but they do it well for what it is. I just don't like what it is. You know? So that's kind of a hard line to walk. I like it, but it does a thing that I don't like. It's sort of like if you really like an album and then, like, in the middle of a song that you are really, really enjoying, there's a rap breakdown, and you're just like, why is there a rap breakdown? This is not a rap song. What's happening? Yeah, it's it's that thing, which happened a lot in the 90s. Uh, it, it's that, except it's a certain vocal style for me. Yeah, I, I really like it until that kicks in, but even when they're doing that, at least they're doing it well. You know what I mean? Does that does that work for you? Is there any Swallow the Sun fans that are gonna, like, demand my head on a pike? Probably a couple. But, uh, I, I tried to be fair and I tried to be nice. I, I, the, they do the thing that I don't like very well, and the stuff that, that I do like, they do very well, too. So, I'll, I'll listen to the stuff that I like, and not the stuff that I don't. They actually have a really good live album that they put out earlier this year that I can't remember the name of, I think it's from Helsinki, that uh, is a two-disc affair, and the first disc 
is very much the clean vocal that I like, and the second disc is uh, a lot more of the guttural Cookie Monster vocals that I don't like. So I really like disc one of that. Uh, I like the band enough that I've got at least a couple albums, guys. Give me a break. Let's uh, take another polar swing and move away from metal. Let's talk about uh, one of the albums that I'm most excited about for this year, the album uh, Queens of the Summer Hotel by Amy Mann. You, uh... It probably hasn't escaped your attention if you've listened to this podcast for a long time. I'm a huge Amy Mann fan. You probably know that about me. And when I heard that she was doing this album, I got excited because uh, it's loosely based on, it's actually pretty strongly based on, the book uh, Girl Interrupted, which I talked about on the show a few episodes back. You can check that out. And it just seemed like a perfect fit because Amy Mann writes excellent songs about mental illness and Girl Interrupted is someone's true life story about having been institutionalized. And that seemed like a perfect marriage. And lo and behold, I listened to the album, and it's a perfect marriage. It's chamber pop is the best way to describe it. She's been described that way before. Uh, very acoustic-y with a lot of strings and a lot of background vocal type stuff. And not a whole lot of toe tappers on it. couple toe tappers, but not a whole lot of toe ta- tappers on it. But uh, really beautiful songs, really beautifully written. Uh, some really, some really moving moments. Uh, there's a song on here called "Suicide Is Murder," which uh, was the lead single. <laughs> and uh, think about that for a minute. And uh, it, it's it's a really good song with a really good message. The Closing song on the album uh, is called I See You, and the first time I heard it, it it made me cry. Uh, She wrote a really beautiful album here. The one perhaps small feeling of it is there are a couple of moments that I think only make sense or only make complete sense if you've read the book, because there are a couple of places where I went, I don't know if I would know what she was talking about if I hadn't read the book. So there's, there's that. But at the same time, if it makes you read a really good book, that's good, too. And you should do that. And the book's only like 150 pages, so, you know, you you can do that. You can make it through that. Uh, Read Girl Interrupted. Don't watch the movie, because the movie takes weird liberties that the author hated, uh, or at least didn't approve of. I don't know if she hated it, but I read a thing where she was like, yeah, that, I, I don't, that, that wasn't... that wasn't right, you know? (laughs) So, uh, don't watch the movie, unless you just want to watch the movie. Maybe you like the movie. Whatever. I didn't watch the movie. I I read the book. I really like the book. I highly recommend the book. And Queens of the Summer Hotel by Amy Mann is an excellent companion piece. And even if it weren't an excellent companion piece, it would be an excellent Amy Mann record. Uh, Because I absolutely adore Amy Mann. And this is exactly what I want out of her at this point in our musical relationship together. Uh, one more album to talk about, and then we'll be kind of into wrapping up the show after a little bit more music, I guess. We've, uh, hey, we've had an hour. Look at that. We're doing good, kids. Uh, last album in my little pile of albums here is the newest album by Modest Mouse, which uh, caught me by surprise. I didn't know they had a new album out, and then one day it was just sitting there over the summer. It was just sitting there in the record store, and I picked it up. The album is called The Golden Casket, and uh, I, I, I have kind of a hit-and-miss relationship with Modest Mouse. What I like, I really like, and what I don't, I, 
is fine, but I, I don't listen to that much. Uh, like, I have it, but I don't listen to it, you know? Uh, this is one that I've found myself returning to a lot since I picked it up back in, I think, June. It's uh, really, really good. Uh, it's it's the kind of Modest Mouse that I like. It's got that dreamy quality, but it's a little bit more focused than, like, uh, uh, the This is a Long Drive with Nothing to Think About album. It's more focused than that, but it has that same dreamy quality. And I really like that. It it sounds really good. It's uh, got, uh, I would describe it as kind of a psychedelic feel to it, which I appreciate, um, and which I'm attracted to as a feel. Uh, favorite song off of it, probably, uh, hang on, let me look at the list real quick. Favorite song off of it, probably the song Transmitting Receiving, which... Barely has any sense to the lyrics at all, but for some reason I find really moving, and I really like the music. Uh, that's probably true of a lot of Modest Mouse songs, um, so that didn't help you. <laughs> but uh, if you want to hear Modest Mouse do a take on Psychedelia, this is probably the album for you. Uh, it's very good. I keep finding myself coming back to it, being attracted to the dreamy quality of it, but also really appreciating the fact that it, while being dreamy, also finds a way to be focused. I don't know how they pulled that off, but they sure did, and it's it's uh, it's one of the better albums in their collection. There, I said it. It's one of the better albums that they've done, and you should listen to it if you've ever picked up a Modest Mouse record. I think you're really going to like it, because I certainly did. Uh, probably best if the first time you listen to it, it's above 70 degrees outside, because uh, it's you're gonna want to listen to this thing in the sunshine. It makes a lot of sense in uh, like on a sunny commute, or preferably on a drive where you're just out driving and you've got somewhere that you're gonna go eventually, but doesn't really matter how long it takes you to get there. That's a perfect drive uh, for the, the the golden casket uh, on a nice warm sunny day. That's that's what you're gonna want to listen to that on. Or maybe that doesn't matter to you, but that's the environment that I first listened to it on, and I, it worked really well for me in that environment, and every time I've listened to it since, I've gone, wow, it just, it seems like it's a nice day outside, even though it's kind of not. That said, the uh, first song on the album is called Fuck Your Acid Trip, so it's not necessarily a positive album, but it just sort of, it, it it's an album that works on a nice day. And when I've listened to it on days that aren't nice days, I've kind of gone, wow, it feels like it should be a nice day. Like, I guess maybe it's just a, just a, a, a sense memory thing or something. But whatever. Really like this album. Think that uh, you should hear it too if you like what Modest Mouse does. Or you just want to, if any part of what I said intrigued you, just pick it up and give it a chance. Or stream it on Spotify, but then buy it. Uh, that's it. That's the music section. Hope maybe you got something that you want to hear out of that, because I enjoyed hearing everything that I talked about. Doesn't matter if it's raining Doesn't matter
Well, checkmates, it's entirely possible that by the next time you hear from me, Christmas will have come and gone. So if you celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a happy Christmas. Uh, For our Jewish friends, belated happy Hanukkah to you. I am unclear on when Ramadan happens, but whenever that was or is, I hope those of you who celebrate that have a happy one of that. Uh, Have a happy Festivus, if you're one of those uh, folks, uh, Seinfeld fans, I guess. Uh, Or if you're agnostic, enjoy your weekend. Uh, But maybe I'll talk to you over Christmas, I don't know, or a little bit before. It seems unlikely, because I'm recording this so late in the week. It, it, I I sort of hate to go less than a week between episodes, because I feel like that's asking too much of people. Although it seems like it's worked before, so who can say? But uh, Merry Christmas if I don't do an episode before Christmas, uh, or if I do Merry Christmas anyway, I guess. Whatever. I'm looking forward to it this year. The family's actually going to get together uh, even though COVID numbers are on the rise in the area, we're all we've all been pretty safe, I think. Uh, and I'm hopefully going to get my booster shot here in the next week. And going into the holiday, we'll all be safe and happy and healthy. And hopefully, we will also be safe and happy and healthy coming out of the holiday. But we'll we'll see. Um, I hope you're all safe, happy, and healthy too. Uh, let me know your thoughts on what kind of cat I should get, uh, or what kind of cat I shouldn't get. Uh, or if you even like cats. You know what? I don't care if you like cats. I like cats. It doesn't matter. Uh, I've been watching a lot of cat videos on TikTok. I have a TikTok account that I never post anything on, but I, I watch cat videos. In fact, exclusively cat videos. If anything else pops into my TikTok that isn't a cat video, I immediately click not interested on it. And I get, like, mad at the app because I only want to watch cat videos. Uh, favorites on there, uh, well, favorite, I guess, on there, other than a few personal friends that I follow, uh, whose videos I don't click not interested on, I, I just, I, it's, it's fine if you're my friend, don't worry about that, uh, but video, uh, the videos that, uh, are posted that I particularly like are by, uh, a woman named Mary, who runs, uh, Miss Dixie's, uh, foster care ser- service thing, uh, <laughs> that's not the name of it. It's, uh, hang on. I'm gonna, we'll, we'll find out together. I'm gonna pull up TikTok and find out. Uh, sorry about that. Hope that wasn't copyrighted. Uh, let's see. For the Love of Kitten, I think, is the name of her account. Uh, Miss Dixie's Kitten Rescue. That's it. Sorry about that. Mary from Miss Dixie's Kitten Rescue. Uh, for the love of kitten rescue is her at on TikTok. She is great, and all of the cats that she uh, uh, features on her TikTok feed are adorable and perfect, and I want all of them. Um, if you're on TikTok and you like cats, you already know about her. But if you're not and you want to watch uh, a, a cool person deal with uh, adorable cats, uh, do that because she's one of the best on TikTok. I don't know her personally. She's not who I'm going to be working with to, to get my cat or cats. Uh, the person that I will be working with is someone that I know personally who uh, is also a good person and also uh, d- takes really good care of her fosters. So that's I'm looking forward to that. That'll be down the road. But uh, I've talked a lot about cats that I don't even have here on the show today, and I've talked a lot about other stuff. 
So, uh, I've taken up enough of your time, and I'm gonna get out of your hair. Thank you so much for listening. Please, uh, continue to be safe with this ongoing pandemic still happening. Uh, social distance as much as you can. Honestly, regardless of your vaccination status, don't get too close to people if you don't have to. Because, uh, this thing's getting ugly again, and the, uh, Omicron virus, or, uh, variant, pardon me, is, uh, starting to look like it's gonna be a big problem here. Um, but... Go out and get vaccinated. If you aren't vaccinated, you need to get vaccinated. That's just common sense. Go get vaccinated. Get your booster shots if you're eligible yet. If uh, you're not eligible yet, then get it when you are. Uh, Continue to wear a mask. Wear a mask as much as you can in situations where you can't control the the situation and and you got to be close to people and whatnot. Wear masks. Get vaccinated. Distance as much as you can. Keep doing that. Uh, apart from that, please remember that black lives matter, that trans rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. Be good to each other, be good to yourselves, forgive each other, and forgive yourselves, and while you're doing all that, check us out next time. You know, a good Baptist also wouldn't drink beer. <laughs>